Hello, my friends. Hello. This is Kendall Lamb, host of the Wandering Roots podcast, and this is episode number one, and it's called A Bit About Fear and Sharks. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm giving you a little bit of a trigger warning. If you are afraid of sharks, this one might not be for you. You might want to skip it. Or I don't know, maybe you're going to want to confront that fear. I'm going to let you make your own choice about it. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward to this podcasting journey with you. So thank you for joining me here. Without further ado, your very first episode. Enjoy. Hi, friends. I just wanted to hop on here and do a little episode about fear. Uh, Because I would be remiss to have a podcast called Wandering Roots that didn't address why we often don't wander, why we often don't go into the unknown spaces in our life. And obviously the main reason is fear. And we talk a lot about fear. Fear can have a lot of different um, moods, shall we say. And the best way I like to think about fear is fear with a capital F and a lowercase f. This has really helped me in my life. So I'm going to share that with you because I believe that most of the fear that keeps us in place, that keeps us small, that keeps us from growing is fear with a lowercase f. And there is a helpful fear in our life that serves us very well and keeps us alive, which is fear with the capital F. So I'm going to share a couple stories with you about fear with a capital F that might help you in your own life. Uh, reflect with a little bit more insight the times that you have responded to actual fear versus the imagined fear that loves to run away with the narrative, so to speak. So the first story I'm going to share is kind of an old one. We got to go back in time to, I don't know, maybe 2007. And at this point in time, I was working as a marine science instructor on an island off the coast of California in the Channel Islands. And it was such a fun experience. Uh, And one of the things that we did was we taught kids how to snorkel. So we got school-aged kids out there on these field trips for three or five days at a time. And as instructors, we would take these kids out in the ocean and stretch them beyond their comfort zones and explore and find fish. And it was an absolute blast most of the time. So one of the things that we offered the children as a sort of a extra activity that they could choose to partake in or pass on was a night snorkel. And if you're hearing that right now, and you are not a person who would sign up for a night snorkel, please know I understand. The very first time I did a night snorkel was actually when I was training for this position. Uh, Me and my fellow instructors, we were all in our 20s, a rambunctious group of women, about 10 of us. And we decided that obviously we needed to experience a night snorkel before teaching it. So we all donned our wetsuits and we got in the water and it was cold and honestly quite a bit like quite brightening. We were out there with just a flashlight was the only thing cutting through the darkness of the sea pitch dark. And at first you fill all the black spaces outside of your flashlight with the scariest imagery, especially if you've ever seen Jaws, which many people of my generation <laughs> were traumatized by this movie. 
Um, there's that movie poster, right? You know the one I'm talking about with the feet coming down and the shark jaws just open and ready to chomp this individual from down below. I'm telling you what, I didn't use the toilet for like a solid two weeks after seeing jaws. I was so convinced that a great white shark was going to come and um, like up out of the toilet pipes and eat me. It was irrational and also just this visceral, <laughs> this visceral reaction to this movie. Anyway, so you can imagine being in the ocean at night. Obviously, that's the only thing you're thinking of if you're a sane, imaginative individual. But once you get past that, once you, uh, once you take a few breaths, uh, night snorkeling actually can be very relaxing uh, because when you're snorkeling or, um, I mean, even hiking, anytime you're in nature, you can be really distracted by various things going on at the same time, right? You've got let's just imagine a snorkel. You've got a school of fish swimming off to the right of you. You've got this amazing kelp forest to the left of you, right below. You've got this manta ray. Your attention's divided between all of these incredible things. When you're in the ocean at night, everything is distilled down to the light coming from your flashlight. Everything. And at some point it becomes very zen. You just see how much you can see in a single beam of light. It's pretty incredible. And my favorite part of the night snorkel and something I implemented with my, the kids that I taught when I actually started leading these was um, at some point during that first snorkel, uh, the guy who was teaching the snorkel to us told us to turn off our flashlights, which of course, at first we were like, are you insane? We absolutely cannot turn off our lights. It is pitch black out here. And we did it anyway, right? Because we were good students and did what we were told. We, we switched off those flashlights one by one. All the lights went out. So the sea below was just dark. And he told us to roll over on our backs and float and look up at this bowl of stars above us. And it was so peaceful. Your ears are in the water. So you have that sensory deprivation. And then you just have this epic night sky above you. And I remember he said, okay, think about all of your friends and family at home and what they're doing right now. Maybe watching TV, making themselves a snack, you know, taking a little walk, whatever they're doing. And think about where you are right now in this moment. Like less than 1% of people in the entire population ever get into the ocean at night and you're doing it. And you know, you're your chest just swells with pride and all the courage that it took to get out there. It was just an incredible feeling. And then he said, okay, now roll over. Don't turn your lights on. And I want you to swish your fins around below you and look. So we started swishing our fins back and forth, looking down into the water. And that's when the bioluminescence kicked up, which are these tiny little photosynthetic microorganisms, these little plankton that light up when you move them around in the water. I, maybe you've seen um, videos of this before online if, or experienced it yourself. It's incredible. It looks like there's stars below you and stars above you and uh, such an incredible experience. So I loved taking kids on night snorkels because we would always make a point to do that. I would always have them look at the stars and look at the bioluminescence. I gave them some version of that same inspirational pep talk about what absolute badasses they were. And um, just, it was just an incredible experience. So getting back to my story, it's 2007. We're going on a night snorkel. I'd been working there several years. I had done this many, many, many dozens of times. And I was not 
stoked about this particular night snorkel because we had a series of nor'westers come through these big wind systems these big swells and currents are driven up by these uh, big wind systems and it had just muddied up the water in the bay that we snorkeled in just terrible visibility you could not see your hand in front of your face during the day and I knew that this was going to be a hard one. I had a group of fifth graders, I think maybe 10 of them. They already were feeling all the heebie-jeebie scaredness that comes up from your first night snorkel. And I knew that I was not going to give them this beautiful, clear flashlight beam that they could have this Zen light experience of. They were instead going to be seeing suspended sediment in the water. So again, I'm like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get these kids in the water. I'm going to get them out to, in the very least, a part of the bay where we can look at the stars. We'll enjoy that. We'll talk about some astronomy, maybe. I'll give them their pet talk, pep talk. And then we will try and make our way over toward this one little cove in the bay that sometimes was protected from these winds. And I would have just enough visibility to grab a lobster for them, or maybe they're going to see a bright orange Garibaldi in the help like let us just see one living thing on the snorkel we'll get back to the beach we'll call it good so we're going across the bay and the kids are you know pulling on each other's fins and people's masks and snorkels are falling off I'm having to fetch them it's just in general a bit of a shit show and I see this cove and I'm like we just gotta make a beeline to this cove and find something to see we just have to do it and so we start swimming toward this cove and I get this sort of spidey sense that something's off. And when I first started doing snorkels, I, I often wasn't very tuned into this, but the more and more time I spent in the ocean, especially in this one particular bay that I was very familiar with, I started taking that more seriously. Even as a group of instructors, we would call it being sharky. Didn't always have to do with sharks, but there would just be some feeling, something we would sense in the environment, something visceral that told us something's not right. I started getting that sensation and I actually started rationalizing it in this group. I was like, it's just because the kids are riled up and scared. It's a murky night. Everything's fine. So I kind of ignored it. I kept kicking toward the cove and I saw something floating on the water in the cove, something kind of large. And I actually assumed at a distance, because it was kind of black, that it was a bag of trash. Because believe it or not, friends, people dump bags of trash and sometimes even bags of oil that they're emptying from their boat into the bay. I know, it's terrible. It happens. But uh, every time we saw trash in the ocean, we would grab it, bring it back to shore. We called it ocean karma. We, we just figured the more trash we remove, the more the ocean will bless us with beautiful, amazing sightings, which actually often worked. So I'm kicking off towards this bag of trash. The kids are a little ways behind me, just, you know, a couple of body lengths behind me. And um, this one kid breaks away from his buddy. And I'll explain that in a second to ask me what it is. He sees it too. And these kids are desperate to see anything at this point. So he's like, Miss Kendall, what is that? Now all the kids are buddied up. Okay. So I'll just explain that for a second for those of you who are interested. So each kid has a buddy that they are meant to stay with throughout the snorkel so that I can keep track of everybody and that nobody wanders off, right? And the way we keep them together is that one of the buddies in the buddy pair has the flashlight attached to their wrist with a little toggle. 
the other buddy holds the flashlight and shines it around. It is a great system for keeping two kids together because no one wants to be without the flashlight. This kid, however, has just left his buddy with the flashlight and swum to me in the dark to ask me what this thing is. Very brave kid. And I say something to the extent of, hey, go back to your buddy. I think it's just some trash. I'll go check it out. So I kick forward to go pick up this trash and I get my light shining on it. And it turns out it is not trash, my friends. It is not. Do you know what it is? It is a dead sea lion. And it's not only a dead sea lion. It is a dead sea lion who has been recently killed. So I shine my light down under the water and I see that it is almost completely decapitated. Its head is hanging on by a piece of skin and it has been eviscerated. So there are some entrails hanging down and it is actively bleeding. I'm going to let that sink in for a sec. There is an actively bleeding, eviscerated, decapitated adult sea lion floating in front of me in the murkiest waters that you can possibly imagine. What might have killed said sea lion? I have asked myself in this moment. Uh, there's only one thing, my friend, generally, that kills sea lions of this size, and it is a full-grown adult shark. Not just any shark, but we're probably talking about a tiger shark or a great white, most likely a great white. And great whites don't generally even feed on large marine mammals until they themselves are full size, about six, seven years old, 15 feet and up. This is what's going on in my mind, right? I'm, I'm, I'm really searching for any better explanation in this moment. And it's not landing. Sharks also are crepuscular, which is a fun word for they feed at dawn and dusk. So it's dusk, right? The sun has just set. And most shark attacks on people, which are very, very rare, occur as a case of mistaken identity. It's because they believe the person is a sea lion, right? They take a chomp. They realize this actually tastes terrible. People don't taste real good to sharks. And I just got a bite full of neoprene and uh, often they will take off. So most great whites, for those of you who don't know, will um, hunt by taking one real large bite of their prey and then leading it to, leaving it to bleed out. It's just much easier for them than struggling with a living prey, right? It's a, it's a great way of killing a large animal. Uh, so most human attacks, like most people who've been attacked by sharks, have one big bite from a shark. Sometimes it's fatal, sometimes it's not, but the shark will often swim away and leave it. Anyway, so that's clearly what's happened to this sea lion. He got one big fatal bite or maybe two and the shark has swum away and is likely waiting to return until it's bled out. So my logical conclusion in this moment is that there is likely a very large shark waiting to return to its prey. I am in the water in the dark, murky water with 10 children who are dressed head to foot in black neoprene, okay, hoods, vests, jackets, neoprene pants, and booties with fins, who I am sure resemble sea lions in this murky water to the most terrific degree. And um, we're not safe. This is fear with a capital F, you guys. This is fear with a capital F. Um, and here's what this fear told me. It got, I got real calm. And it said, get out of the water, right? 
because fear with a capital F when it shows up in my experience almost always has an urgent steady vibe and a clear directive to action fear with a capital F puts you in your body and tells you what to do and that you must act it keeps you firmly in the present moment uh, because you can't go off wandering in some mental narrative in these moments right in order to stay alive you need to get these children and yourself out of the water so what happened next is that that same kid who had broken away from his buddy swam up to me was trying to shine his light on the on the dead sea lion and said what is that he really wanted to see it and i lied yes i did i am so grateful that i lied i lied to this child to his face and i said uh that is a very large jellyfish as i'm ushering him away from the cove that is a very large jellyfish and i really don't want anyone to get stung he's not aggressive he's just floating there but it's got long tentacles we need to get out of this cove here's a plan why don't we do a race back to shore with you and all of your buddies and whoever gets to the beach the fastest is going to get an amazing prize this is what i said so i announce it to the group i'm like guys change of plan there's a jellyfish in the cove nothing to worry about but we got to get back to the beach let's have a race so i count to three and i'm just like go right and the kids are into it. They're actually over this snorkel. It, they haven't seen anything. They want to get back. So they just kick. They start kicking, right? And I'm like, all right, get all these babies in front of me. Go, 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 go. So I am like, I'm behind them, just cheering them on, right? And, and I am keeping the panic at bay because in my mind is still that damn Jaws poster. But now it's like real. And so I'm grabbing the slowest kids and I'm tossing them on my boogie board. I've got this boogie board that I carry with me for safety reasons. And I'm like kicking as fast as I can. I just feel like I'm like a mother hen, just like, go, go, go. And uh, we made it. We made it back to the beach. Everybody was in one piece. I checked about a thousand times. I counted those little baby chicks a thousand times and no one was hurt. We made it. Fear with a capital F got us out of that situation. And the kids were stoked. I did not tell them that ha what happened. I never did. I actually haven't shared this story publicly before. Um, it happened a long time ago, guys, like over 15 years ago. But it's obviously stuck with me. I got back to the dive deck where we get out of our gear and I just went in the back and like lost it. I, I was shaking. I was crying. I, I just needed a moment to process that fear and interestingly we found another decapitated sea lion on the other side of the bay the next day and just shut down snorkeling for the rest of the season we only had like a week left um no one was injured and never did we see a shark so was there a great white yeah well all signs are pointing toward there was a great white in our bay which was very very rare in fact i don't think it had ever happened before but the reason I'm telling this story is because this is like real fear, right? There was another time this happened to me, and I won't get into the big story at the moment. When I was giving birth to my daughter, I'd been in labor for about 72 hours. My body was cramping up. 
Uh, my daughter was stuck in my pelvis. Her heart rate was dropping. We were in a bad situation. And I had the same moment with fear where she kind of cupped my face in her hands and said, baby girl, you got to push. We need to get this baby out. And I was in such just chaotic pain in that moment. And it all distilled down. It was like the flashlight through the water. And I said, I need to stand on the ground. This is what I told the doctor. I need to squat to get this baby out and I need to do it now. And I felt very embodied and very present. I felt the urgency and the steadiness and I birthed my daughter and uh, we were both in a bad spot, <laughs> but we made it. Okay. Fear's purpose is to save our lives. Uh, evolutionarily, spiritually, however you want to view it. Fear is there to get us in our body. Fear with a lower case F, however, is there to just keep us safe from situations that probably aren't all that dangerous. And I want to, I want to reiterate that it is to keep us in the safe place where we already are. So when we are in safety and in comfort, Fear with a lowercase f is like, let's stay here. This is the best place to be. Let's never leave this comfortable little nest that we've created for ourselves. And so if you start thinking about ideas, creative ideas, you want to go travel somewhere, you have inspiration. Fear with a little f is like, no, 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 no. We're not going anywhere. We're not putting ourselves out there. We're super comfortable here. Uh, follow me on a mental narrative about all the things that could be wrong. So this kind of fear actually takes you out of your body and into your imagination in a way that is utterly unhelpful. Do you see the difference there? Fear with a capital F puts you in the present moment and in your body and demands a reactionary response to an actual or perceived danger. Fear with a lowercase f spins stories about what might happen if you do this thing you're thinking about. And I think knowing the difference between these two types of fear is absolutely necessary so that we can tell fear with a lowercase f that it is not allowed to have a place at the table when we're making decisions. So I love um, the way Elizabeth Gilbert puts this. If you've ever read Big, Big Magic, she, she says this in her book, and I'm going to paraphrase. It's a fantastic book, by the way, if you haven't read it. But she basically says when she's going on a creative journey, it's as though she and creativity are in a car on a road trip, and they're in the front seat, and they have to invite fear along. She makes space for fear in her life as a person who has dealt with fear all of her life. But she tells that fear, and I'm talking about fear with a lowercase f, Okay, you can come along. We know you're coming, but you got to sit in the back. You can't be in charge of the map, where we're going. You, you can't even mess with the radio, okay? And you most definitely cannot at any point take the wheel and drive this vehicle. So you can come. And I would input in case a capital F fear situation happens and we need you. Uh, but be, but other than that, you need to just kind of keep quiet and stay in the backseat, right? And having this relationship with fear has, for me, 
been imperative in all of my transitions when I rec- when I can recognize, okay, nothing life-threatening is actually happening here. I'm just thinking of starting a podcast, fear with a capital or a lowercase f. I'm just thinking of moving to Africa. I'm just thinking of uh, making friends with this new group of people or sending this email, right? Or writing this poem. I don't need your input right now. So you can come back to me when the shark is in the water and I will bow to you. (laughs) I will sit at your feet and thank you with all the gratitude in my heart for alerting me of what was going on and getting me in my body. Thank you. Thank you, fear with a capital F for being my friend. Uh, But anything other than that, just need to pipe down and let me do my thing. Stop keeping me small because I have some roots that want to wander. I have some growth that I want to step into and uh, you're not going to stop me. So that my friends is my episode about fear. I hope it's been helpful. I hope that you guys still swim in the ocean after this. Please know again, I've been in the ocean during the day and at night many times. And uh, this was the only time I ever had something like that happen. So if you do go night snorkeling, invite along fear in the backseat, but keep it in its place. Pay attention to your instincts. And uh, I love you guys. Okay. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes of Wandering Roots, do me a favor. Go ahead and hit the follow button on whatever platform you're using to listen to your podcasts. Also, if you wanted to leave me a rating or review, that would do a lot to help get this podcast off the ground. And also, it just means so much to me. I read all the reviews and uh, they really light me up. So thank you so much for being here. If you want to follow along with upcoming events and upcoming podcast episodes, you can find me on Instagram at kendalam.wanders. There are three L's in there, just so you know. And you can also find me on Facebook at Kendall Lamb. Peace and love. Bye.